What's up, movie friends? Welcome back to another episode of Letterboxd Recap, where we go through all of the movies we've been watching this past week, as well as rating the Letterboxd Top 4 of five of you listeners. James, how was your week of watching movies? It's been pretty enjoyable. I actually only watched three movies. However, that's because I also watched a full season of television, a show that people have been dying for us to watch. I'll get to that. Oh, curious. Eventually, but... Oh, wait, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Well, I actually, might as well get into it because yeah, we'll I'm do so one curious. of each. Yeah, yeah. so I, I finished the first season of Invincible. I watched the whole thing in like a day, and I loved it. And this is something that everybody's been telling us to watch. It's on Amazon, and it's really terrific. Lives up to the hype. It really does. I really enjoyed it, and I had to walk away from it because I was binging the fuck out of it. And so, <laughs> yeah, was that entire day I was walking in and out of the house, and you still had it on. I was like, oh, man, I can't stop watching, I can't stop watching this show. I was just... In a binge. I was I hadn't binged anything in so long, but I was mm. in it, man. I was just zoned in, tunnel vision, and it was a great time. Tendies and, and Invincible. And I really, really enjoyed the show. I love the characters. It's a great cross and blend of basically the boys, of course, but also Dragon Ball Z and a little bit of like Superman. Oh, cool. Because the majority of the, of the show, obviously Invincible is the main character, and... It's is about that's the guy in the yellow suit. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the teenager in the and Omni Man. And Omni Man's his father, uh-huh. but it's really like a father son relationship where it's similar to Superman, where Omni Omni Man's from another planet, and mm. oh, and then he had a, a child, had a child with a human with, a, with an Earthling and an uh-huh. Earth woman, and this is their child, and he it's very much of going through puberty and finally getting his powers. That's basically the first episode, and then a father son relationship for the majority of the season, and what their powers mean to the world and learning what to do with your powers and how to use them. And this world is full of other kinds of superheroes and super beings, but also super villains. And it's a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed the show. It's hysterical. The writing is terrific. The characters are even more memorable. And I, I can't wait to start season two. I got uh, some work to do in the next couple of days, but I'm planning to get on, um, up to speed on season two so that I can start watching it because there's four episodes left. And then once season two of Invincible is over, over, I'll convince Anthony to watch it and we'll do an episode on it. And you still got to watch Avatar. Oh, the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll get on that. I promise. But this one, because there's so few episodes, I was like, all right, I'm finally going to finally Invincible. see what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's been talking about it and it absolutely lives up to the hype. It's. I think it is... Amazon's best original television show after The Boys. It's better really, than Terminalist. Really good. Terminalist, I love, but I think I like this more. Wow. And I got I, I tweeted that and I got a lot of flack online. People were like it's not original, it's adaptive. Like, I said Amazon original. Of course I know it's adaptive. Careful on Twitter, me. man. It's I know it's a graphic. <laughs> I know it's comic book. <laughs> I know. I'm just I said Amazon. Jeff Bezos didn't write it, James. Amazon original. Get it right. The boys. I know it's a comic book. It's an Amazon man. original. They go for you, man. They Don't really say do one wrong word on Twitter. I didn't say anything wrong. It's just a misinterpretation of this guy. <laughs> you had a funny scream tweet today. It, was, it cracked me. Oh up. yeah, scream. <laughs> you said <laughs> I wasn't planning on watching Scream Seven anyways. Yeah, well, because Jenna Ortega is dropping out. Has dropped out of Scream Seven today. Dude, that studio so dumb. Melissa Barrera is yeah. the actress that got cut from its from Instagram posts. And so everyone's dumb. like, everyone's like, let's boycott Scream Seven. And my tweet was literally just like, I already wasn't gonna see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. What a, what a bunch of boneheads! Wow, for they fire blew it, man. They Why blew would it. you do? They that's so screwed dumb. their entire franchise. They really did. What did they think would happen? They, did they think Jenna Ortega would be like, oh, cool? I'll st- now I'm the lead. Did they think that would be her reaction? I don't think they thought it through at all. I really don't. Like you don't think those two are close? 
Fucking idiots. All right, next up. <laughs> yeah, just fucking idiots. <laughs> Who runs these studios, man? <laughs> fucking, Bunch of idiots. They don't know anything. All right, next up. Uh, I watched <laughs> Prometheus in preparation for Napoleon. Oh, nice. I hadn't seen it for a while, and I just wanted some Ridley Scott in my life. So I watched Prometheus. I hadn't seen it for a few years. Gave it four stars. This came out in 2012. I'm starting to feel very old because I remember seeing this in theaters. Oh, my God. 2012? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Don't tell me stuff came like out the that, same Anthony. Years Dark Knight Rises. Why does, Prometheus, this, why does Prometheus feel like it came out like three years ago? <laughs> That's, oh, my not. God. You, it's actually, you can tell the early, it's still got some, the earlier digital camera work. The, the digital cameras weren't quite what they are now, mm-hmm. even back then. Um, even in 2012, they weren't as good as they are now. Still looks great, though. I gave it four stars, and I wrote Alien Origins. <laughs> Xenomorph Origins. I could watch Michael Fassbender pretend to be Peter O'Toole for hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie. It's um, it's obviously it's nowhere near Alien or Aliens, but it's actually it might be the third best of the franchise. It's fun. I like the ideas. Damon Lindelof, who I'm always kind of like I have a hate love relationship with him as a writer. He did a good job with this one. I like how Ridley Scott was like. Let me explore these cool ideas about creation and about uh, early histories of intelligence and human beings. And like, what if we, there is this theory that humans were created by aliens and, you know, there's some cool ideas about that if you explore that. And so this is basically uh, taking that and running with it. And I really like this. The first half of the film is great. Um, It does teeter out in the third act is kind of, it kind of ends on a, on a down note. The last 30 minutes, but it's still a lot of fun. And there's some awesome gore. There's some awesome shocking scenes. I think the 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 self the self um, uh, birth that she does in the pod it's, it's crazy. And then the surgery, the surgery. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't exactly call that a birth. <laughs> Cut this thing out of me! Get it out of me! It's a birth. She birthed it. <laughs> yeah. C section. Thank you. C section. C section counts as a birth. But it wasn't. Yeah. The self. Well, the, the machine did it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say it. I mean, no, I know, but the way you worded it, it sounded like she gave birth on like <laughs> self birth. You said, "Yeah." <laughs> I was like, "When did she?" I was trying to. I couldn't think of the word C section. <laughs> I was just struggling. And then, um, there's a couple other great kills and in, in some brutal stuff going on. And I, I like it a lot. It's the first thing I saw Logan Marshall Green in. He's a very good actor. Discount Tom Hardy. <laughs> Kmart, Tim Hardy, Tom Hardy. His name is Tim Hardy. <laughs> looks, motherfucker looks just like him. Oh my god! It's like when you, uh, it's like Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Javier Bardem. Yeah, yeah, it's just like very him. similar. But it's good. I like it. Michael Fassbender is amazing. Should we cover? Should we do that in Alien Covenant? Sure. In an episode together, yeah. we should do that like on Monday. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, Pr- Prometheus. Funny story is the one. It's the movie where Anthony fainted during seeing it in IMAX. <laughs> and I had to carry him to the stairwell. <laughs> he passed the fuck out during the during the self the self birth. Anthony, it was um, it was that, and it was when she was walking in the halls, and it, he had like the the Dutch angles. Yeah, and the equilibrium just took me out. How man. much of the movie were you just like, I can't keep it together, man? <laughs> I was fine until then. I was having a blast. This is the climax of the movie where she's going inside that chamber to do the, the C-section. Yeah. It's self-birth. Like, Anthony's like arm like go- leans against me. I'm like, get the fuck off me, man. And I look over and he's just like, like unconscious as hell. <laughs> he's just like face down. It's because it was drooping. Three, it was 3D. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No. Co- common misconception. 
All right, you. so I, I just um I had a history of the, of problems with IMAX screens than when I was a kid. Now you love it. <laughs> now I love it, but I think it took my it took me and my brain a while to adjust to it. I was so pissed. I'm like, I want to see how this movie ends. It's almost as bad as when you fainted during the whale documentary at the Museum of Science. That was in the Boston. first time I fainted at yeah. IMAX. Yeah, Boston Museum of Science. Dad took us. We saw a whale documentary. We were like ten. Like you cared about the. We, I we cared, saw most of it. I cared so much, dude. We were like three minutes into that thing. What are you talking about? We were at the science museum. There's plenty of other things to do. Yeah, I know, but I was very bummed <laughs> because I was so excited about this whale doc. Sure, you were, dude. Me and Dad were so pissed at you. We were talking so much shit. <laughs> you were only bummed because. I fainted. I bet you thought it was boring. Me and Dad were having a blast until, until I fainted. Then you're like, "Oh, man. oh wait, action! Shit, Anthony ruined it." Dad and I specifically talk about how fun we had when we were watching the whale documentary. We For con- three minutes. We contemplated. Should we even wake him up? <laughs> the best three minutes of your life. It was pretty great. It was a great doc. But that was our that was our early exposure to IMAX theaters before they became a chain. They they knocked me on my ass the first time I saw it. But yeah, that's the Prometheus story. Anthony fainted, and I had to carry him out of the aisle. Nobody helped me carry you, by the way. Everyone's Unreal. rude and selfish at movie theaters, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, my brother's Everyone unconscious. Just avoided Can you. someone help me carry him? Everyone avoided you. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sh- I'm shocked that you that that happened. It was, hey, people are people, man. Because it was a it was like opening weekend packed. You were you were like carrying me across people's bodies because we were <laughs> middle of the aisle. We had great seats. Nobody helped you get me across. <laughs> that's amazing. That's fucked. That's fucked up, man. Yeah, that's fucked up. All right, let's. We get got free it. tickets out of it though. Yeah, you for, sent, you for sent free free IMAX email. tickets. Yeah, yeah, because there was no one. I, I put you in the stairwell, and then I went to the concession stand to try to find somebody. No one was there. I was like, does anyone work at this fucking IMAX? They're all smoking weed in the back room. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we still love IMAX. Anymore. Yeah, it wasn't IMAX's fault. <laughs> yeah, It was Joy's Furniture's fault. Yeah, it was whoever was the manager of that. Yeah. Yeah, they're just smoking doobies in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> They're they're sleeping. I love how there was a health emergency and nobody helped. Not even no employees helped and no bystanders helped. Yeah, yeah, the audience not helping was wild. Medical emergency. (laughs) What if I was dying? These civilized people. What if I was like dying? Each other. What if I was like? What if I was having like a stroke? I wish. (laughs) Or like a, or like something. I don't know. I, I, man, that's fucked up. Like, I I would have died in your arms and nobody would have helped you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move into the Letterboxd top four of five of you listeners. First up, we have Isaac Bisbee, longtime listener of the show from Nebraska. Nebraska. First up, we got Kill Bill. Hell yeah. Volume one. Hell yeah. Oh, no. Kill Bill, The Whole Bloody Affair. Okay, cool. And uh, Letterbox has the uh, poster option, and it's really cool. So that's basically when you combine both of them. Yes. So you take the volume one, and then you take volume two. Okay. And then you put them together. So do you play them at the same time? Yes. Okay. And it makes one movie. That's very interesting. You gotta get a special <laughs> DVD player. <laughs> <laughs> and then next up we have Interstellar. Hell yeah. Then Prisoners. Amazing. Amazing. And then The Conjuring, which what I really like. That's a great first pick. That's, yeah. a, and that's a new one. Hell yeah. Yeah, I love that. And he gave Prisoners five stars. Of course he did. Nice pick, Isaac. All right, next up we have Max Haburn. He quotes, The cinema has the power to make you not feel lonely even when you are. I Tom still Hanks feel lonely. Quote. Tom Hanks quote. Well, that's really sad. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> All right, this is a great first pick. He's got Mad Max. Hell yeah. Fury Road. I mean, his namesake. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> Imagine all of his top four names Max is in the title. <laughs> it's just all the Mad Max. Max Payne. <laughs> Max. <laughs> it's really hoping that Max Payne is in there. <laughs> and then um, we got Goodfellas. Hell yeah, Max. Lost in Translation. Amazing pick. I'm liking these picks, man. And then Animal House. Oh, what a great pick. Another new one. Yeah, I got Animal House right here. They got the uh, DVD box set. I was so obsessed with Animal House when I was a teenager. We I watched lo- it. I yeah, we watched movie. it quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, it was on a lot in our house. Our <laughs> brother's like... <laughs> I'm just saying, man. <laughs> I, I said quite a bit. I don't know, but listen. <laughs> the fucking, the, the, you say the same line every time. This is on quite a bit. In our, this is on a lot in our house. Our brother's watching. What do you want me to say? <laughs> say, I love this movie. I watched it a lot. But it's always... I'm just saying, it's kids. It was, it's a movie that like not kids often our, watch. Our brothers had this on all the time in the house. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> just saying. It was, it, was it not on our house a lot? No. Quite a bit? Not really. Yes, it was. I watched it a lot in college. Sure. When you weren't watching hockey. Was that sports to me? <laughs> I don't know. The bees were lit when I was in college, man. Of course I watched the Bruins. <laughs> Nothing else to do. <laughs> Anyways, studying. Come Max, on. great picks. Got a 3 4 is easy peasy, loving squeezy, baby. And uh, recently, Max has watched Tom Segura's stand up Sludgehammer, Call Me By Your Name, which he gave four and a half stars. You do that every time I say Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, but it's only once every two months. <laughs> no, it's like once an episode. Uh uh-uh. uh. Then Asteroid City, four stars. And then The Godfather Part 2, five stars. That's my favorite Godfather movie. Nice, dude. Great Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I have a belly button. <laughs> <laughs> I wipe my own ass. <laughs> I have a six, an eight, a jack, a ten. I win. This is bullshit. <laughs> Next up, we have Eben. See you at the movies, Tom Cruise, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> That's now amazing. Is he saying it like an interview, or is it when he jumps off the plane? Well, off the plane, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he says it. He said it a bunch in that year. I think he's quoting like that, jumping yeah. off the plane bit. See you at the movies. Fucking awesome. Great <laughs> quote. All right, first up, we got Drive. Hell yes. He's just got like the Sigma male top four Nightcrawler. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Wind River. Amazing. Yeah, another, yeah, yeah, another Sigma. Yeah, another Sigma. Then Mission Possible Fallout. There we go. Another Sigma. He's got, he's got a crew. Yeah, but it's still Ethan Hunt. Yeah, he's but the, no, he's got a crew. No, I would not right. call yeah, Ethan he a He relies Sigma. on a team. Jeremy Renner's right. character Wind River. Sure, he's a Sigma. He's literally a lone wolf. Yes, you're absolutely right. I was mistaken. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> James was like, uh, okay. I just threw that into a t-shirt. <laughs> and then uh, recently I've been watched, obviously, Oppenheimer, Mission Impossible 7. Then the we shouldn't deep- even do these because it's all July. The deepest time. breath. We're getting out of July, man. We're on the deepest breath now. And then... And Secret Invasion, which you gave two stars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Eben was being nice, too. It's a nice two stars. <laughs> Next up, we got Sosa. Longtime listener as well. Stoned film junkie. <laughs> we got The Royal Tenenbaums. Amazing pick. Excellent pick. That's one of my favorite West movies. Then Gaspar knows Enter the Void. Very cool pick. You gotta That's get, the first one. If you haven't seen it, all, y'all, you gotta watch Enter the Void. It's insane. Then, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hell yes. Let's go. I just think about this movie like 
all the time. It, like, it just randomly pops in my head. How good that movie is. It gets better and better every single watch. Every Tarantino movie does, but there's something about Once Upon a Time. I love it more and more. I think it's most under is most underappreciated because of how low the scores are. Not low, but, like, how average the scores are. Yeah, but it also was very successful at the box office. It was one of his most profitable. Yeah, but it's still, like, it's average. It's because it's Brad Pitt and Leo. Everyone's going to see that movie, obviously. Yeah. It's really, really good. It really is. It's really good. Speaking of good, we have good time. Nice. To close out number four. <laughs> I love it. It's a good pick. <laughs> and then Sosa gave Knocked Up three and a half stars. Back to the Future three, four stars. And then Killer Joe, four stars. William Friedkin's wow, film. Wow, cool movie. Yeah. Good. I like Killer Joe a lot. Yeah, great pick. That Sosa. was one where I was like, oh, McConaughey can act. Holy crap. Can act his ass off. Sure can. That chicken drumstick scene. <laughs> and our final top four of today is Andrew Wilner. Andrew on Letterboxd. He has Inception. Mm-hmm. Good Will Hunting. I like this list already. It's perfect. <laughs> the Mar- the Martian. Oh, what a great list. <laughs> Amazing. And then Goodfellas guy. Oh, bro, let's go watch movies together. Yeah. <laughs> what a list. Amazing stuff, Andrew. Man, I love The Martian. What an like it's not it's under- great. It's forgotten. I think it's a forgotten movie. What movie? <laughs> See? You already forgot about it. It was wildly successful, too. It was like $700 million at the box office. I wouldn't say it's forgotten. No one talks about it anymore. Everybody, It's all anyone talks I about. I never see it anywhere on film Twitter, TikTok, TikTok film. Well, maybe you should talk about it. Maybe I should. Get people to talk. You should make a tweet today. Yeah, I should. I'll do a tweet about The Martian. Why did you all forget about The Martian? Hey, man. And then some people will go after you. It's a really good book and a really, really excellent adaptation. It is. I love it. In terms of book to film adaptations, it's one Spot of the best on. of the century. It Spot really on. is. It's insanely accurate to the book, besides some of the third act stuff. But but it's an excellent read if anyone's never read it. It is. It's a really funny book. Bring him home, Mark Watney. Bring him home. I'm okay. A I'm a space pirate. <laughs> I'm going to science the shit out of this. <laughs> Thanks to everybody for sending in your Letterbox Top 4. If you'd like to send in your own Letterbox Top 4, all you got to do is screenshot your top four and DM it to us on Instagram. Then we will add you to our ever-growing list. Thanks so much. Now, let's get into the rest of our watches, Anthony. How many you got left? I got six left. So you might as well go first, because I only have three left. All right, I watched All the President's Men. What a good movie! From 1976, five stars, and I wrote Perfection. I mean, Dustin Hoffman and Rod Redford together is just unbelievable. Uh, Gordon Willis's cinematography, he's one of the greatest DPs of all time. Really just... The Godfather. Yeah, really just structurally sound film. It's a perfect screenplay. Uh, it's, it has an amazing ending. Uh, but so, I mean, some of the shots are just un, unbelievable. And the entire production team did a wonderful job. The sets are incredible. I mean, the thing is, like, movies like this, I was watching it, and I'm like, everything about what you're seeing on screen seems real and authentic. And the behavior of everybody is just phenomenal. And then there's a shot. I always forget about this shot. But whenever whenever I watch this movie, I'm reminded of it. It's like a, it's like a six-minute long one take of Robert Redford calling several people. with like, just see, He's at the office. He calls like four different people. And then he gets a call. And he's going through so many different emotions, running through so much dialogue. And then Gordon Willis does a slow, very, very slow, slow zoom in on him over that four-minute span. And then you, you don't even realize it hasn't cut until like set halfway through. You're like, holy shit, they're not even cutting at all. And then it ends and Robert Redford just 
put on an acting clinic, and it's just what a, an amazing take. It's like things like that. Like the, the there's a reason why Redford and Dustin Hoffman are two of the biggest movie stars ever because they just really did. They they could bring it. And plus, we have a scandal that's so monumental, matched by filmmaking that's so exquisite and excellent that they it just is a match made in heaven. This insane story yeah. that really happened and changed American politics forever. And then we have a movie that's just as wildly. Monument. Uh, what am I trying to say? It's you got just, it, man. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just as important, you could say. Oh yeah, to the scandal. Mm-hmm. It's a great film. Great, great film. It is. I can go again since you yeah, only have three. three. Next up, I watched Ron Howard's Rush, which is actually really good. I gave it four stars. Wow, four stars. Yeah, I think that yeah, he's a generous guy on Letterbox. We all I know love that. movies. I love movies. You know you do. So what, you hate Rush? No, I don't hate Rush. I'd say 3.5. Oh, yeah, I could live with 3.5. But it's really well done. It's well executed. Uh, I I remember not really liking the film that much when I first saw it, but now it's growing on me a lot more. Uh, Daniel Bruhl is fantastic, and then Hemsworth does a really great uh, British accent. It's it's an improvement over Thor, uh, his accent in this one. And the racing's fun. Hans Zimmer's score is fantastic. Cast is very good. All around, it's just like for a sports film, it hits all the right beats. It doesn't really do much new or it really doesn't really add too much that we haven't seen before. But that being said, it's executed really well, um, very efficiently. And it's all around. It's just a fun movie to watch um, with some great gravitas and some good emotional stakes and and really good conflicts. Although they did obviously amp up the, the strife in the conflict between the two men, it wasn't as like bad as it was in the film. Like they they respected each other a lot. They were rivals, but they were also very friendly with one one another. And they did push each other, but in the film, it's like they're kind of like enemies in a way. So I understand they, why they did that. Sometimes that gets a little too melodramatic at times, but yeah. otherwise they did they did a good job. Has everything you need. You're right. Uh, it's sexy, great action, great conflict, solid characters, and good acting. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Daniel Bruhl is Nikki Lauda's best part of the movie oh he's yeah he's great excellent job let's get into my next watch i watched this whole thing it's about me finally (laughs) i watched black mass which was directed by scott cooper in 2015 starring johnny depp as james whitey bulger the boston irish drug pen king lord (laughs) 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 so if you're from massachusetts you all i'm sure you know about whitey bulger who was a gangster in, in South Boston, basically rise up the ranks because he created an alliance, made an alliance with the FBI through a childhood friend from the neighborhood, John Connolly, who became an FBI agent, and they created a bond together where they basically worked together for information, vice versa, where Whitey would basically give him information on helping, trying to take down the Italian mafia in the North End, which they successfully did eventually because of the intel from Whitey Bulger. But Whitey Bulger was able to do whatever he wanted without consequence. And over the course of several years, he basically took over Boston and went on a rampage of crime, murder, drugs, everything, extortion, until the FBI finally went after him and went after Connolly at the same time. And Johnny Depp plays Whitey Bulger. He's so good in this role. He really is. However, I think the script holds this movie back from being an all-time great crime movie. 
And my review, my three-and-a-half-star review is, Black Mass wants to be an all-time crime film, but it just doesn't quite get there. The astounding cast carries this one to the finish line. Some of the best Boston accents I've ever heard in film, with a couple of the worst. Johnny's really great, but the story, everything's there. You know, everything's there. The great directing, great acting. This cast is so, so good. Joel Edgerton is also phenomenal as a co-lead in this movie. He plays John Connolly, the FBI agent. But we have a great, great performances from Jesse Plemons is in here, David Harbour, um, Dakota Johnson's in here. She plays uh, Whitey Boulder's baby baby mama. But there's something about this film that just doesn't quite make it to the finish line in terms of be- keeping up the me- momentum from the first act of the film, which is really strong. And, you know, it's not The Departed. It's not Goodfellas. It's, it's not there. It almost is, but it's still a really good watch. And... The acting alone is worth sitting down and, and checking this movie out if you've never seen it before because it really is terrific. The transformation for Johnny becoming Whitey Bulger was terrific because Whitey Bulger is this pale, blue-eyed, blonde hair guy, this Irish guy, and Johnny Depp looks nothing like that. Contact lenses, great makeup, prosthetic work, great hair. The, the wig is phenomenal, but I, I think that Johnny, it's one of his better roles this century for sure, maybe one that's flown under the radar in, since it came out in 2015. But I liked it better the second time I watched it. I remember the first time I watched it, I was very underwhelmed. Yeah. But I liked it better the second time. But still, it's not – it's almost almost a great movie. It's it's almost there. Yeah, it's good, but it's really the story just isn't that captivating. Eventually, it's just like fizzles. Yeah. And it's nothing we hadn't seen before in the genre. And it's cool. It has a, it has great elements to it. But I think that it – they, it could have been much more interesting than it was, especially with his ties to politics and it, with his brother and then his ties to the yeah, FBI. Yeah, his brother is in the Senate. Yeah, I think that um, – how early were, did they show him working with the FBI in the film? I'm trying to remember. Uh, pretty pretty quick, probably like a half hour. I mean, again, ben, oh, also Benedict Cumberbatch plays his brother. Yes, yeah. Benedict's accent I don't love in this movie. Yeah, I think I remember not liking Benedict's accent. Um, but he's a state senator, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, this movie ended up. I remember. I've seen it twice. I hadn't seen it in a while, just because it's my. It's. I think it's probably Scott Cooper's um, weakest film. Oh, it could be. Bold. Could be. I mean, he's made some really cool movies. So this also was just like I think because the hype was there, being from Boston, the legendary status of Whitey Bulger, and just it being a very underwhelming film. Upon its release, I was. It just rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, and I, I love Scott Cooper's films. Like he's done uh, Crazy Heart, Get Low, Out of the Furnace might be his best movie. Hostels is excellent. Antlers I really liked a lot. He did The Pale Blue Eye recently. So he's an excellent director, and I, I really love his style. Out it's of the Furnace is my favorite. I think it might be too, between that and Hostels. I just think that this story just <clears throat> fizzles out a little bit. It loses yeah. its enamorment, you know. I, I lost it there, like maybe the third act. It's just like, eh. It's just not, it doesn't have that entertainment yeah. value. Yeah, exactly. It's not like entertaining at all. Not like The Departed. <clears throat> it's just very serious the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. All right, what's your next watch? It's a watch we did together. The watch party on Discord. We watched Fargo. Don't you know? Don't you know? Yeah. I gave it five stars. Oh, yeah? I've, this is probably like the... I've seen it over a dozen times. Oh, yeah. And I wrote for my review, The heck you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Lundergaard, you're you're a, you're you're a fucking asshole. You lie to me. <laughs> this movie's amazing. It's perfect, and it's interesting. You see the elements. There's so many elements it shares with No Country, and it got me thinking. Did Fargo help inspire 
Cormac when he wrote No Country, which then inspired the Coen Brothers to make No Country into a movie. When did he write? Um, yeah, look no it up. When, when I feel like he wrote No Country for Old Men in the nineties. Even though this came out in nineteen ninety six, but this movie, oh, two thousand five is the novel. Yeah, yeah. This movie is just perfect, and whether it be the acting uh, from the ensemble cast to the environment, really feeling the culture of uh, of this area, it's just like. Getting shots like, like filmmakers, other filmmakers wouldn't think to like constantly going to the Paul Bunyan statue and blue Babe the Blue Ox. Like, he they're like making you feel like you're in, you really are in this area. It's just and they really they put you into this world. Like no other filmmakers really have the um, the minds, the ability to do. Like they they do shots that no other filmmakers can think of. Alongside with Roger Deakins, this is one of their early collaborations with him. It's just really a perfect film from start to finish. It's a great grind movie. William H. Macy, Francis McDormand, Steve Buscemi are just absolutely phenomenal. And it's just really funny, really unpredictable the first time you see it. Um, it's got lots of shocks, but then it's just so goddamn funny. And outrageously ludicrous in terms of everything. The whole concept and the whole kidnapping gone wrong, gone, well, gone well, but also gone wrong at the same time. And how it's based off a true story. It's wild. It's fascinating. It makes for great film. Makes for a great film. Great story. The cast is so superb. And I think the Coen brothers are just really great at directing actors. That's one of their great strengths as filmmakers, as directors. Is Obviously, they have great scripts and great skills as filmmakers. But they know how to direct actors. And they always get career best performances out of everyone. Oh, yeah. For sure. For show. Sure. Don't you know? All right. My next watch. Well, yeah. Was I gave yeah. it five stars also? Yeah. <laughs> um, Napoleon. We watched Napoleon the other night, and it was a lot of fun. We got free hats, which was cool. <laughs> yeah. They gave us Napoleon hats. I gave Napoleon four stars, and I wrote another epic from Granddaddy Ridley on a scale of the battles <laughs> it depicts. As a lover of history with a familiarity with Napoleon and his conquests, the film does a solid job summarizing the Emperor's life while highlighting key historical moments, grand battles, and, of course, Josephine. Napoleon was the original simp. (laughs) I gave it four and a half stars. And we did a Patreon review that comes out on Saturday. Or want to release it tomorrow? What? Napoleon? Yeah, Thursday. Yeah, I'll drop it. No, no, we'll drop it on Saturday. On Saturday, yes, yeah. Saturday. And I gave it four and a half stars, and I wrote epic in every sense of the word. Ridley four Scott, and a half. Whoa. Four and a half. Ridley Scott's latest historical masterwork features a remarkable performance from Joaquin Phoenix, as we see an intensely detailed character study of the most impactful emperor of the last several centuries. I was surprised at how hilarious the film can be. Phoenix and Vanessa Kirby have great chemistry. The battles are as monumental and harrowing as you're hoping for, and the production is absolutely stellar all around. Some of the battle sequences gave me goosebumps with their visual dynamism. Yeah, that's my that's my review. Visual dynamism. It's a cool little phrase. It is a good phrase. I loved it. I loved it, and, and uh, I, I've been liking it more since its release, uh, the more time I've had thinking about it. Very cool. All right, what else you got? Oh, I'm just looking. I'm all out of my movies. Oh, I got, I got some. Yeah, and we, Anthony's always got movies. I got Copland. No way. I haven't seen this in years. Copland, which came out in 1997, starring Sylvester Stallone, Robert De Niro, Harvey Keitel, Ray Liotta, Peter Berg, Janine Garofalo, Robert Patrick, 
and Michael Rappaport. Huge cast. This Rappaport's is, in this? Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, one of James Mangold's early films. And it's really well done. It's a good crime movie. It's really solid all around. I gave it four stars. And basically, it's about a bunch of dirty cops who all set up shop in homes in a town just outside of New York City. They're all New York City cops, but they live just over the bridge in Hoboken in that area. And it's basically, Copland is like this town where basically all the cops live, where they can get away with their crimes, where they can uh, run drugs and run money for the mob that owns the town. And they can stay away from any kind of like um, peering eyes from AI, from IA, from internal affairs. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet AI. <laughs> IA, internal affairs in the city. And Stallone plays uh, the sheriff of the town. Um, he's not like a real cop. He had a, he's had a hearing issue since he was a kid, so he's never able to make it onto the police force, even though he tried desperately. And he's kind of just like, it's interesting seeing Sly. He's basically like a nobody and a loser all his life. And he's someone that, you know, the, the cops in the town, they, they look down on him. And he's like, he's just like the, the bozo of the town. And just like, he's their sheriff. He, he, they're passing, they're doing all these criminal activities around his, around him, like just under his nose and he doesn't even see it or he doesn't want to see it in a way. Um, so they know that they can use this guy to, to their advantage. That's why they put him in charge. That's why they made him sheriff. So they could just continue doing their criminal activities without risk of being caught. Um, and however, there's a series of, of events where the cops try to cover up a crime that's too, too far and then that leads to Stallone's character finally taking charge of his life and trying to make a difference. And Robert De Niro has a great supporting role as the IA officer from the city who's trying to get Stallone to help him investigate these dirty cops. Really solid crime film. Really good. And then... And then... And then I watched uh, Lars von Trier's Antichrist. Oof. Just like a new, just I wanted something light for a Tuesday night. You know, you know about the the uh, double that Willem Dafoe had to use for this movie. Yeah, there's real, there's real, uh, real sex in the film. Um, there's a couple of shots of you actually see penetration, and it was body doubles for it. He did the same thing with Nymphomaniac. No, but there's another reason why Willem Dafoe has a double in this movie. Because he's too well hung. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's just packing so much he's heat. Packing Will, heat. Willem Dafoe is packing so much heat that when Lars von Trier is making this, like, we need a normal looking dude in here. <laughs> It's too big, Willem. <laughs> but it's a really cool movie. And I've seen it a few times now. It's it's not so much a horror movie as it is uh, exploration of like sin and the darkest facets of our emotions. And a couple of the main themes highlighted in this film are grief, pain, and suffering. And you see all of those things on display in a way that you never have before. It's visually stunning. Really incredible stuff. He made this. Uh, right before he made Melancholia. And this is where he was really starting to use a lot of great slow motion cinematography and camera work to illustrate really cool themes. But it's very grim and it's very disturbing. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not like crazy gory. I know Antichrist is a really powerful name to make a, for the name of your movie. It's not as like crazy horror as you think it's going to be. But it's more a meditative horror and just really... Uh, seeking into the soul of humanity in a lot of ways. It's really, really brilliant film. I gave it four stars. All right. Yeah, I haven't seen that one in a while, man. In, in a, a while. Yeah. Always a controversial controversial viewing of Lars von Trier. I love his movies. Yeah. He makes awesome movies. And that wraps weekly 
recap for Letterbox. For Letterbox me, recap. I'm sorry, Letterbox <laughs> recap for me. Is that everything you got? I'm done. You're done. D O N D O N N. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Episodes we've done recently. So we did the killer on Monday, which was an absolute blast. We love that movie from David Fincher. On Wednesday, the other day, we did a great episode on Batman Begins. We did movies from memory. If you never listened to any of those episodes we do, we basically recount an entire film completely from memory. We hadn't seen it in about a year or so, and we had an absolute blast just going scene by scene, piecing the movie together. Hilarious episode. It's You're going to laugh your butt off when you listen to that one. So that was a blast. And episodes next week on Monday, we're going to do an episode on... What are we doing? On Monday? Yeah. You edited it. Oh, we haven't we haven't filmed it yet. Oh no, we haven't. Remember, filmed we it. said we might do Prometheus yes, and yes. Alien Covenant. Maybe yeah. we'll do Prometheus and Alien Covenant. But we are. We did already do our Wednesday episode, and it's going to be e- Amy Dunn from Gone Girl, Evil Explored, with a special guest Izzy from Be Kind Rewind. That's going to be an excellent one. So yeah, we'll do that on Monday. F it, Alien yeah. Covenant and Prometheus. F it. We'll, we'll p- compare both movies. And F then, that shit. Yeah. Then we're heading into December eventually. So we hope you all had and are having. A wonderful holiday and holiday weekend if you're in America. If not, hope your week's been great doing going to work like usual <laughs> and listening to the show, of course. <laughs> Everybody gets the day off tomorrow. Oh yeah, you're right. But um Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. No, 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 no. Thanksgiving was yeah. yesterday. Wait, hold on. What? What? Wait. This episode's posting on Friday, bro. Oh yeah. yeah. Thanksgiving hope was you had yesterday. It. Hope you had in a great America. Yeah, yeah. Hope you had a that's great why Thanksgiving. I said, that's, yeah. So Anthony wasn't listening to anything I just said. It's because my we we used to post Letterbox on Wednesdays. A while. So ago. I was still thinking that long, long ago. But that anyways, was like a, a week ago. That was like, <laughs> like eight a month years ago, ago dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Become a patron today at Patreon.com/slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Every single patron has access to bonus episodes of the show all week. Uh, we're doing a Napoleon bonus review for patrons only on Saturday. You can also get access to the ad-free show every single episode in the minimum $5 tier. You can even listen on Spotify ad-free if you sign up. Thank you so much for tuning in. Leave those five-star ratings on Spotify and Apple. Share this show with your family Share and friends. Share the load. It's the best way Share the show. Share the show. The best way for a podcast to grow is word of mouth. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a mirror image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.